All right. Eho, how are you going? Good. How are you, Father? Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks. Um, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I was always uh, dreaming about being on uh, Pato's Backyard podcast ever since I learned about it. Yeah. And uh, it's such a niche podcast. And I never heard about it until I listened to my friend Andy's podcast. And I was like, oh, what is that? And I like, started looking up. I'm like, holy, you got uh, quite a podcast going on here. You got a lot of cool guests. So I started listening all the way back and after. So I'm a huge fan. So yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Awesome. No worries. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Andy, he was the first Canadian guest I had on. You're the second. I was surprised when I spoke to Andy because he told me that he'd never seen a bear before on any of his runs. And I thought he would have said he'd seen heaps, but do you run into bears every now and then? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So when, uh, well, Andy lives in, in, um, city, uh, a bit different city. so I, I can go into the wilderness here more often it's kind of closer to me so I do run into bears more often than him however he does have a little section there where uh, there's quite a few bears I, I guess he, he's just lucky not to to run into bears or maybe they're afraid of him you know yes. bears here they're black and brown bears so they're, they're pretty harmless so once they see you they just run away right away they're afraid of people right is it the grizzly bears that you've got to be careful oh, you've got to go too far into the wilderness and thankfully i've never seen a grizzly and i hope i i never will you know in the wilderness because those are different beasts yeah, yeah. <laughs> um see so i noticed on your strava that um you've done almost two hundred thousand. um meters of elevation gain just this year so i thought you must live in an area with a lot of hills and mountains and things like that yeah where i live it's uh, so when i step out of my um door it's either up or down like you, there's no flat i have to either drive or at least run towards somewhere flat where i can do some safety workout if, if i want to pick up some pace otherwise it's always up down up and down it, it it's never flat and i got mountains right in my backyard here so i can just run straight into the mountains pretty much on the trail um so yeah vert is something i really enjoy and i, I spend a lot of time going up and down and uh, that's why I, I truly enjoy the day course of bigs uh that was my jam uh and i hated the night course because i never run on asphalt I right. ne never run the roads ever, so it, it, it was painful for me. And, and and I didn't know that it's eleven uh, loops on on trail and thirteen loops on the road. When I heard that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is horrible. Why isn't it twelve? So what? From what I can see on your Strava, from what I've heard, you've been running ultras for just over two years, and. Um, but how long have you been actually running for and how did you get into running? Yeah, so I've been running for a bit longer, I think four or five even years. So I started as a road runner, which is funny. It's like a, a little local race in the town. I used to live in a different province. I just moved to British Columbia just over two years ago. I lived in uh, central uh, Canada in prairies. It was super flat there. Yeah. So I just got into the road race there, um, 
and just started running as something to do to put my mind off and just just a little therapy because I moved here by myself as a student it was pretty lonely and you know dealing with new culture new language new life so I needed some something some activity to kind of keep me sane and running came off as one of the cheapest sports to get into because all you need is a pair of runners, right? Yeah. And I got into one local race, which was a 15K race, which is a funny distance. And I won it only because no one else really wanted to sign up for 15K. People signed up for 10K and 20K. Yeah. Uh, not 15. So I won. I was like, oh my gosh, I won the race. <laughs> so from then, I started kind of building up. I did half marathons the year after. I did like six or so half marathons. And then the year after, I did, I think, four or five marathons. Um, but then when COVID started, I got into trails. That's when my ultra trail uh, journey started. And I never went back to roads ever since. And I'm not going back to roads. Yeah. You gotta, yeah really hard to make me run a road race. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned you did a few marathons. Like, what type of um, well, how fast you are over the marathon? What's your PB? Oh, horrible, Pato. I don't even want to tell you. <laughs> it's slow. I, I was on a different level of uh, fitness. I think if I do now, I could go faster. Yeah. Um, but my last marathon that I did, I think in 2019 or 2020. So it was in Florida, and it was like 3.22. So it's pretty slow. Pretty slow. I know that I can go faster now, but I never tried because I'm kind of not interested. In yeah, fair enough. Focusing on trails. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and is it correct, um, BC, Backyard Ultra, that was actually your, just your second ultra? Uh, BC Backyard, yes. Yeah, because in 2021 I did – the 100k in bc backyard yeah you're right actually yeah, yeah. hey good job paddle yeah you're, you're <laughs> you know me better than i do <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah and that was only last year like at the beginning of last year so it wasn't even that long ago um and you were the last one standing with 39 yards right yeah, it's funny because i signed up like uh, maybe a week before my girlfriend convinced me I didn't want to sign up and she was like yeah just sign up what's the worst that's gonna happen you'll just dnf and that's it yeah. I'm like yeah good point it's not gonna hurt like let's give it a shot I guess and yeah. I guess the rest is history now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when you won that at the after you finished that race and you won did you actually think to yourself anything like oh gee maybe I'm I'm pretty good at this or this was this was pretty easy or, or how did you feel about it after you won? Yeah, I felt like I could have kept going. I mean, granted, we did 39 hours there. Uh, the course was really hard. It was all new to us, right? We, we didn't know how to pace, uh, like how fast or how slow to go. I remember we actually adopted Harvey Lewis uh, strategy, pacing strategy, because he, he was the at that point the, the world record holder and look at him he's a world record holder again now yeah. uh yeah so we adopted his strategy and um that's how far we went but then yeah when i finished i was like okay it seems like i could have kept going so let's see what's going to happen at the satellite championships maybe we can go a little bit further yeah so i mean you, you did mention that you didn't really 
know much about backyard ultras when you did that race so did you go in with a like a nutrition plan or anything like that did you look into it much as far as strategy goes or did you just rock up with some a little bit of food and away you went? Uh, yeah i didn't do anything specific nutrition wise to be honest it's all about like we, we all ended up having <clears throat> similar issues with dorsiflexors in our shins so we more looked into the um physiology of like we, we started more walking actually because we realized in backyard you do walk a lot and you don't train walking you you run so we focus a bit on on training for the specifics of of, of the uh of this format but as far as nutrition no i i haven't even actually planned anything different um with backyard it's, i find nutrition is actually easy because i would eat same than what i would eat on a regular basis just because how slow we go so you can digest everything pretty much you know like that's the whole beauty what we did with marina my crew is that i told her like breakfast is going to be the same eggs and bacon you know and because we just go so slow so my stomach always digests it i i never had issues with with um with my stomach so i was like you know what let's not stress our bodies and just eat exactly saying what i would eat on a daily basis even though it's a race but it's a slow race so my body can actually digest it so yeah and it, it worked it worked yeah then with bc it was a silver ticket race into the canadian team like before the race started did you, did you know about the canadian team and winning bc i did yeah I did, so we, we looked into it after. And we had so much time during the race that we were chatting. Uh, yeah. And, in fact, we had a few Canadian teammates, uh, Canadian reps that did it uh, a couple of years prior. So they did explain it to us, um, how it works. And they were on a large list already, so they were already making it to the team. So by, by the end of the race, yeah. we knew that, okay, I guess we're getting into the, the satellite championship see how that goes yeah yeah and when you and did you know about big's backyard and all that type of thing back then as well yeah yeah so it's it all happened during race we learned it during the race yeah like oh. i i had no idea that uh there's individual world championships and so on because it was a bit confusing how it works so one year satellite one year individual champ but it all got sorted out during race with those veterans in backyard who explained everything uh to me um so it was pretty cool like i've never been on that like you know high level of competition i never thought that i would get into uh anywhere anywhere where it says world championship i was like <laughs> holy moly that's insane <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and the Canadian team's um, really good. And I, I think nine of the runners at, at the um, Sat Champs, they nine runners did forty or more. So it, it's a good team, and it must have it must have, you must have gelled well to um, get such a good result as well. I reckon. Yeah, we had a really good team, and in fact, I think we were the only team, or one of two, I, I can't remember it uh, clearly that all 15 runners did 24 hours right yeah. so nobody dropped out i think our first dropout was on 27 or 28 but all 15 runners did 24 hours so we were like so proud of it like oh yeah. look at us so we're so <laughs> strong we got through the first night <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah but we, we've got a really strong team and 
I learned so much from my teammates uh, at both races, BC Backyard first, and then the uh, the uh, satellite, which which also happened in BC. And then I pick up brain of uh, runners from out east, from Quebec, from uh, Nova Scotia, Ontario. There, it's where I met I met uh, Amanda and Eric, who were also at Bigs. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's quite a learning curve. I, I learned a lot from. Um, from, from them and I took that experience to Biggs and now at Biggs I learned a lot. I know that yeah. there's some things I can do different, can do better, maybe improve here and there and so that in two years if I happen to, to go back uh, I could do a little bit better. Um, because I mean it was a massive improvement from your first backyard to set champs. It was 39 and then when you won set champs I did you think you did 67 so did you change any strategies at the set champs when you did 67 compared to bc uh nope no <laughs> nothing different nothing we just got through the second night yeah uh because uh, 39 it was into the first second night so we got through the second night and sun came out and it felt better it always does uh and then we went into the third night which was i was like I was shocked, I'm like, oh my gosh, we ran through two nights, we're getting into the third night now? That's insane! I hope we're not going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it just ended, uh, I think Eric had issues with um, Guts at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, we got almost through so through the third night, and um, so we, we had only five hours until the sunrise, pretty much. And when, when we did 67 hours, I was like, okay, well, we're almost through the third night <clears throat> so if i get if i can do a few more hours the sun is going to come out and i can go through into the fourth day it's it's possible it's real we, yeah. we can do it you know so i i brought that mindset to to, to bigs i guess and, uh, yeah and bigs was wild yeah um <laughs> was bigs the first course you'd done with a day and night course uh so no bc backyard had a night course on the road yeah uh our satellite championships though uh did not have a night course so we would uh run the same course day and night uh, it was pretty challenging too there's quite a lot of vert there and i i find having day and night course helps mentally uh even though i, I don't like asphalt and running on the road but after a certain time you kind of you, you you get tired of even trails so something to look forward to right so just to change the picture change the mindset and you're on this road now so it kind of helps for the first at least few hours and then yeah. you get used to it and you're like oh my gosh give me my trail back <laughs> <laughs> um so when you did your 67 at the set champs did you feel like you reached or were you close did you feel like you were close to reaching your limit yet um i mean i was pretty tired um i mean you get tired pretty soon and then even the first night you get tired you just yeah. keep rolling with it right um uh, but i i felt like i could have kept going don't know how long i had that nagging injury uh that dorsiflexor on both uh legs in fact that my crew was icing them every single hour 
so I didn't know how long that would last. So I, I made sure I, I did a lot of exercises working out those tendons and muscles there leading to big. So at bigs, I didn't have that problem, uh, which is great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I thought I could do at least to get through the night. Uh, well, I was hoping I could, but no one knows, right? It's like, it's all speculation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, where in the body is the dorsiflex? Yeah. So it's like right on your shin. So where, uh, so where, where you're, uh, basically where there's your ankle here, where, where it mm. connects to your foot. Right. So right here on your shin. So every time you do this motion with your foot, you, you feel that it's like so painful and we notice that it happens only when you walk right. and and me as a as a runner who does alternate all the time run walk run walk uh i noticed that it hurts like when you walk so i would add a lot of uh speed walking sessions uh and, and do a lot of uh strength exercises for for that uh, part of my body and at some point i i felt it um uh during bigs but then it went away so at, at in at satellite championships it was a big issue i, I was actually panicking in, when i was in loop 55 56 i told my crew i remember i had like a little breakdown saying okay it hurts so bad that i'm probably gonna drop out soon and and eric looked so good i was like he's probably gonna win but they were like yeah just don't focus on it. Do one loop at a time. See how it goes. And they were icing it, and I would go one loop at a time, and it it would hurt. But you kind of embrace that pain. You forget about it, and you accept it, and then you keep rolling loop after loop. And we ended up uh, winning it. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you did win that golden ticket to Bigs. So you knew with twelve months' notice that you. We're going to get in <clears throat> now. I, some there was a mixture of different runners with different strategies leading into big. Some of them did one or two races um, leading in. Others won their golden ticket and didn't race it at all. Uh, you didn't race at all um, between the golden ticket and big. So was there any main reason for making that decision? Yeah, I, I actually I did not want to do backyard. Uh, at all um i mean i i knew what i i can do you know you don't need to destroy your body to know that you can destroy your body you know <laughs> so that that's kind of my mindset uh going uh to into bigs i know that okay i can go six seven hours i can probably keep pushing a little bit more and i don't need to do another backyard in canada if i did it so i would run uh, well probably 40 something hours any other backyard well i don't need to do it to know that i can go 40 hours right like well i already did 67 hours so instead i would be i'd rather be well rested and uh uh yeah come with clean slate with with my mind uh not burdened with anything not injured hopefully which didn't work out i did get a little bit injured but uh, i knew that i didn't want to do backyard and backyard is well, let me be honest, backyard is so boring. Yeah. <laughs> like you just run in loops, there's no views, nothing. And it's just, it's a cool format. And I would love to do it, say, maybe once a year, once every two years. But I don't, I can't see doing it many times a year just because there's so many other races where there's, there's destinations, there's beautiful views, there's beautiful mountains, there's beautiful trails. 
but you don't just want to run in loops yeah. very often, you know. That's my mindset. I mean, it's great format. I, I I love it. It's amazing what Blast came up with, and I, I'm just so intrigued how many people are doing it nowadays. But I don't want to do it very often. Yeah. Uh, I just want to focus on, I guess, on these big races. And uh, I just want to focus on bigs and come up to with to start bigs having fresh brain because mental recovery is probably harder than physical recovery after bigs. I noticed that I, after satellite, even after, after BC backyard, my recovery is kind of on the longer side, especially mentally. Yeah. You know, because uh, if I do like a conventional hundred miler, usually one week, and I'm ready to get dive back into the training. Just, you know, you, you skip one night, so it's not a biggie. You know, your body needs seven days to recover, and you're good. But with backyard, oh, such a different story. Well, you skip at least two nights, three nights. <laughs> well, your bigs, you skip four nights. So you definitely need a bit longer recovery just to make sure that all their processes in, in your in your body or in homeostasis and that you're back to normal and ready to rock and roll. So that's another reason I didn't want to do another backyard because I didn't want to recover for, for too long. You know, yeah, I, yeah I, fair I, enough. I and I did see that you ran um, four races between Sat Champs and Biggs and they looked like pretty good races and you did well as well. So you can, can you tell me a little bit about those races? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I did... Uh, the first race in March, I believe. The first race of the season was Badger Mountain, which is in Washington. So really close to me here. It was a, a early season opener, and I just jumped into that race. And uh, it's been, it's in a desert. It's a mountain race. Uh, it's a 100-miler. Beautiful race. Nice community. Grassroots race. And, yeah, I had fun doing it. And then I did three other races in Canada. Uh, the 50k. I've never done a 50k. It was like the shortest distance in ultra I've ever done, and yeah. I, it was just so fast for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of 50k's to be honest. Um, but anyways, yeah, I did that because it's a local race, just to support uh, local cause, uh, the, the community, and the cause that the race had. And then um, I did another race uh, organized by the same uh, promotion that BC Backyard. Uh, uh, I care from uh, uh, Lewiston Ultra. She's she put on this uh, pretty cool 120k race, which is a part of uh, Project Peak, Peak Series. So the winner gets to go to Argentina in December for the three-day stage race uh, in Patagonia. Uh, that was an amazing prize. So I was like, yeah, sure, like I'm gonna do it. And it's a local race too, so only 120k, so, and it's overnighter, so you start in the evening, finish in the morning, so I like that part too, where you kind of, mm -hmm. okay, you get to train a bit at night, so get used to that, and the last race I did was uh, Canadian Death Race, that's where I met Harvey Lewis for the first time, because he came up here uh, to race it too, it's in Canadian Rockies, one of the our historic races, uh, many people know about this Canadian Death Race. It's a 120k, 118k. Also traverses all their Rockies and um, very beautiful race and nice community too. Uh, so yeah, that's where I met Harvey. I was like, okay, Harvey, I'll see you at Biggs, I guess next yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'll get back at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I was, I was actually looking into those races you did, um, and and like the results are outstanding. Like, and for what I could see, when you won the Badger Mountain one hundred mile challenge, you might not even know this, but you ran the second fastest time in that race since two thousand and eleven. Did you know that? Uh, I actually I, no, I got a course record there, Pato. Oh, did you? So even so, I, I didn't get a course record. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think I, w- I was the first one to go under sixteen. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, it was a season opener, so I was yeah. fresh yeah. and I pushed really hard. I still think it's one. It's probably one of the most well executed races I've ever done. Yeah, because I felt amazing from mile one to mile one hundred. Um, yeah, and I got that course record. Uh, it was pretty pretty cool to go down states and and get something there. Um, yeah, like I, I, I told you, Pato, I'm, I'm a mountain runner. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of backyard, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I love it, but <laughs> if I get to choose between backyard and mountain race, trail race, I'll go for this mountain trail race because yeah. that's what well, that's what my where my passion lies. You know, that's yeah. why I really love running mountains, uh, running uh, mountain ultra trails. Yeah, but and the Canadian Death Race. How cool is the name Canadian Death Race? By I know, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, there's so much going on around. Like the uh, Brian Gland and his team does amazing job organizing his races. So at the end, actually, uh, there is a Grim Reaper. So you gotta get the coin on the top of the mountain in the middle of the race, and then you come to this river crossing at the end, and there's a Grim Reaper standing there. So if you don't have a coin, you have to give a coin. And he will get you across the river. Right. If you don't have a coin for the Grim Reaper, uh, you're DNF. So you have to kind of hold that coin all the time. And then you give it to this Grim Reaper and he lets you across the river. And, and yeah, the, the theme of the race is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know if this is right then, but um, with the Canadian Death Race, you won it and you ran the third fastest time since 2000 is that right i did yeah i was chasing the 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 course record and i was on the course record pace until i missed the turn up the major climb so i ended up adding three or so kilometers on the road so i had to backtrack and i was a bit upset but um i still had a good race had a fast race when sub 13 which is considered a good time and uh yeah it was uh it was a good race yeah yeah all amounts yeah (laughs) (laughs) and um and all this during all this time were you keeping your finger on the backyard ultra pulse and seeing what was going on around the world as far as results go and things like that absolutely yeah yeah for sure it's like still bigs was my a race for the year Yeah, yeah like i had all these mountain races i know that i I love mountain races, but backyard was my A race, and I religiously trained for it. I always dedicated at least one speed walk session uh, a week where I would focus on backyard. And yeah, I was watching all the results, and I I, I saw what was happening in in Australia and yeah. uh, uh, Dachau. Uh, yeah, I was mesmerized when I when I watched it. Uh, I couldn't believe how how incredible um the the results would get you know and uh, i know you you are just love uh, backyards but you just b- blew it through the roof like what yeah. phil gore did with sam harvey was like i'm like what 
it's like that is incredible like that is insane how how is how can one go that far you know and i remember watching the the watching him i think it was live and he looked like so fresh like mm. when he finished that in the 102 i'm like oh my gosh this 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 man is an iron man like and yeah. he's coming to bigs and i get to run with him oh my yeah. god like, i'm so screwed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i was gonna ask you were there any runners uh, at bigs who were you you were looking forward to in particular to running with oh, like i was looking forward to meeting everyone because <clears throat> like yeah i had 67 hours but I didn't even make top 20 with my results. I yeah. felt like, holy, I ran almost three days, three nights, and that's not even in top 20. Like, that's just insane. I was like number 24 only. Yeah. So I was definitely looking forward to, to chatting with everyone, and especially with, yeah, Centennials, with guys that hit hundreds. But it was really hard to chat with them because they're going so fast. The, the, their strategy... Mm, their pacing strategies was way different from mine, especially, say, Phil's and, and Sam's. Um, like, I, I haven't chatted with him until, I think, day four, because wow. they eventually did slow down a little bit to my pace. So yeah. I got to chat with them at that point. Otherwise, they were always ahead. And that little section where there's out and back yeah. uh, on day course, I could see them. You know, I would always be at the end of the pack, and they would be, like, running uh, first. And I did chat uh, with, uh, eventually I chat with Belgium's, uh, with the Evo and Moran a little bit. Um, yeah, but I spent most of my time for the first two days uh, with uh, Americans. Uh, yeah. The American team had exactly the same pace as I did. So we were always targeting like whatever, 51, 53, four minutes. So we were always hanging out together just because of our pacing. So I spent a lot of time uh, with those guys and their numbers were impressive too, right? Like yeah. they, they are in the seventies and um <clears throat> and obviously Harvey was there too. Uh, uh yeah, but eventually I got to chat with pretty much with almost almost everyone. Um yeah. and it was very interesting to 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 pick their brain and, and learn from them. And like I chat with Sam and uh, it was uh, Sam Harvey's strategy, sleeping strategy was so cool, where he said that he would get like two hours of sleep a night. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Like, I, I like that's a lot of sleep because, yeah. he, but he would run so fast, you know, to get like 15, 20 minutes of sleep. I'm like, wow, like, I can't run that fast. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wish I could do it. But I noticed that if I ran too fast, say I would get more than 10 minutes and I would lay down sleep and I would wake up and I would be so stiff. It would yeah. be so hard to get going. Yeah. So it was really hard for me if I slept too much, you know? So I found a bit less sleep work a bit better until I guess day five when I was so out of it that I was thinking about Sam's strategy more. <laughs> <laughs> but it was too late already <laughs> yeah um, yeah so did... all guys yeah oh sorry i was just gonna say all guys were so incredible were so mm. nice everyone was so friendly i mean it was a true ultra running community you know that's the part a reason why i love this community because everyone is so supportive everyone yeah. is so nice even though we come from different countries different backgrounds some people didn't really speak good english and uh it was amazing it felt like 
one big family, you know, yeah. 75 family members, uh, you know, trying to uh, reach one goal. Yeah. Know, and it was incredible, incredible feeling. Yeah, because I did see that um, towards the end as well, like you were getting help from other run runners who had dropped out and other runners crew were helping you as well. So that must have been pretty cool. Yeah, it was amazing. And uh, Marina told me a lot that even those who dropped out a little bit earlier, their crews and, and runners, they would make runs to the store, try to buy whatever I was running out. Because we bought some food. Well, maybe for three days or so, we like we didn't realize how far I was gonna go. Plus, I had like a little niggle in my ankle, so I didn't really plan on going far, you know. And then when we kept going, I was like, "Yeah, I feel good. Let's go." Day four, Marina's like, "Okay, well, we need more food. I mean, <laughs> we, we're out of food." <laughs> so definitely, so many runners helped out, and um, yeah, they would make runs to the store. Or just even bring some ice and help me, trap me, talk me into keep going. Um, the Australian team uh, actually saved my race. Um, Tim, uh, is it Kat, how do you say oh, Kaprizak? Yeah. Kaprizak. Yeah. So Tim Kaprizak and his uh, crew, Joel, yeah. uh, like super tall guy. So he actually saved my race because he gave me his shoes. So I was a little bit underprepared for the fourth day. I didn't, well, I've never gone that far. So I didn't realize how big my feet would get. Yeah. So my feet were so swollen that my shoes didn't work anymore. They were too small. So I was like, can you ask around if anyone has size 14? I wear a size 12 and a half and right. ask for size 14. And Joel, he's like so selfless. He just comes around, takes the shoes off. He was like, dude, here, they're yours. And it was just like, so amazing. Like, I, I don't know who he is, right? And he's just from the same community. He knows, he, he feels my pain and he wants to help. It was yeah. just so amazing. So I, that's why I'm really thankful to Aussies and in, in particular to Joel and Tim. Uh, their team basically saved my last, I don't know, 20 plus hours because I put my feet in those shoes and they felt so good. Yeah. Like, so amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I ran in the, even though he said like there's 300 miles in them already or so, but I didn't care. Like if they're new, if they're old, they just felt so good because it's big size and my feet are swollen. It felt so good to run. So he saved, yeah, he saved me. I, I told him that and I'm so uh, appreciative to Aussies. Like Aussies saved the game, they saved yeah. the show. <laughs> 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 um, you did mention that you had a little bit of a niggle in your ankle and I noticed on Strava in early September there was a couple of weeks where there was no activities so was that was that yeah resting an injury so I was supposed to have two races in September trail oh. races yeah so but I rolled my ankle and I roll my ankle very often just because on the trail it happens all the time. But they usually feel good. You just run through it. And I kept running through it and it got worse. It was so bad that I couldn't even step on it. So I was panicking and I had to cancel those two races, which in retrospect, now I think maybe it was a good thing because my body actually rested and I didn't, you know, overtrain or over race per se. So I tucked those kilometers that I missed in September to base. <laughs> but yeah, I forced myself to to uh, rest. I stayed at home and for two weeks, I did not run at all. I did a lot of biking, which I hate, but I forced myself 
to do something to kind of maintain that fitness. Uh, but yeah, I didn't run and it felt better. And um, but right before base, it flared up a little bit. So I felt a little bit of a niggle in my ankle and I was very nervous. And I was telling Marina about that. And the night before the race, I didn't sleep. I almost didn't sleep because I was so nervous. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to DNF on loop three and be a full embarrassment to Canada. And like, I have to represent my country proudly. And I was just overthinking it. It was <clears throat> that little niggle. And you know what's funny, Pat, is that at the end of the day, everything was hurting. Literally every single piece of my body was hurting except that damn ankle. <laughs> 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 Which is hilarious, like how it works, right? Like that yeah. niggle and I was going into the race with a niggle and it just went away because everything else was hurting way more, way worse, you know? So... And yeah, so thankfully the ankle didn't bother me. And I guess now I think that break two weeks worked well and it was a smart move, even though I didn't run, but I rested, I recovered, I felt better. And I guess I, I was super, super healthy. Well, almost super healthy and, and, and rested, well rested before bigs. Yeah. Um, and when did you get to Tennessee? Uh, on, so we flew into Atlanta actually on Thursday. So we stayed uh, just outside of Atlanta, and then we drove to Tennessee on Friday. Yeah, well, I figured so the day before. Yeah, we yeah. set up day before, and um, I mean, the time difference is only two hours. So I figured we don't really need to acclimate or adjust. You know, two hours is not a big deal. I understand people like uh, the Australian runners flying out from different side of the world so for sure they need to acclimate and adjust a bit um yeah but in our case i figured if we fly in one two days prior shouldn't be a big deal yeah yeah and i mean a lot of the runners or some of the runners anyway they were pretty vocal about what they wanted to achieve like there was a few runners who saying they wanted to break the world record a few runners saying they wanted to break a hundred like did you have a goal before the race like what what you wanted to achieve i did not want to break the world <laughs> no i honestly Pat, I, I did not have a goal and i going even going to satellites backyard last year i i never have any hefty goal or a number in mind it's always one loop at a time and just staying focused and present on that loop and then the result kind of tags along and it worked for me previous backyards and i guess it did work uh, at bigs i mean obviously i wanted to uh, get to beat the, the my my personal best but i remember i i ran 68 and i rang the bell the pr bell by my head i was like well, whatever it's all right like i'm here not to pr i'm here to push my body to the complete extremes where I I can't function anymore. Like that was my goal. I was like, yeah. I'm I'm gonna leave it all here. I got my emergency medical insurance. So if I die here, uh, I won't be hit by crazy American medical bills because <laughs> I got insurance. <laughs> so I'm gonna push myself to the extremes. I guess that was the only goal. If if my ankle holds up, which it did, I'm gonna push to the very end until I literally can't function anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and Lance mentioned a number of times on the live stream that this um, was the best multi-day race field ever assembled. And a lot of people were predicting that race that the race would go into like past 100. So did, going into this race and hearing all this stuff, did you go in with any different strategies to go longer or was it just basically the same as what you'd done previously? It, it's basically the same. Uh, and also I heard that last said that probably going to go uh, past 100, but I listened to the podcast, your podcast with Phil Gore, and Phil said that he doesn't believe that the world record is going to uh, fall just because of the the course. And I, I kind of agreed with him because I looked at the profile. I was able to look up some info. See, I saw the pictures from the Littles dog backyard. My uh, friend and a teammate, Canadian teammate, Brian Bondi, uh, did it. So I saw his pictures of the course. I'm like, oh, wow, that looks pretty technical. That doesn't look easy, so it should slow down people. And I did not believe that we're going to even break 100. Mm -hmm. I, in the interview with Fabian, we assumed before Biggs, we all did like little interviews. And uh, he asked me that question, like, where, how far it's going to go. And I thought this, my head is, yeah, we're going to break the course record, which was 85. But I think we're going to end in 90 somewhere at the end of fourth night, just because how crazy the course is. Like, I know that, yeah, we're all good runners, best of the best. But, I mean, we're all humans here, too. So eventually we have to, <laughs> you know, give up somewhere. And I thought that course will force us to to give up in 90s. I have no idea we're going to go into hundreds, let alone into 107 and 8. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's... Uh, yeah, I still like sometimes I'm sitting and like thinking about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just insane how far we went. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the stats do show that um, the most of the runners, you included, were running a lot faster during the night than the day. Was that like a deliberate tactic so you could have some time to sleep or was it just because the road was easier to run fast on? Yeah, it's a little bit of both, Pato. So uh, it, it was easier, not as much vert, very runnable road. But uh, at night, my goal was to get as much shut-eye as possible. So I think I was running like 49, 50 minutes at night. And um, I would come straight to the camp. I wouldn't eat anything. I'd just go straight to bed. And Marina and my crew would cover me and wake me up with one whistle only with... Uh, and then she would give me food and I would eat on the go. So yeah. I didn't spend any time eating in the camp at night, like all the time that I was in camp. Like I think after 10 p.m., between 10 p.m. and the sunrise, I would try to get those nine, eight minutes sleep per hour. Yeah. And and it worked, you know. It I mean, it worked until it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, you, you probably need a little bit more sleep if you want to go through the fifth night. <clears throat> I worked on, on, until then, and I felt really it, – it was hard to get through the night. Every night was a battle. It was a struggle. But when the sun came out and during the day loops, when I was on, on the trail, when I was in my element, I felt great. I, I, I felt – that that uh that sleeping the night before worked you know and that's what we did yeah um in that um 
pre-recorded interview that you mentioned that they played during the live stream. Um, I, you did mention in that interview that um, lack of sleep hadn't been an issue for you in previous backyard ultras, but did it become an issue for you, like towards the end? Yeah. Of so, <laughs> so, I mean, I've never gotten through four nights before. I've never <laughs> gotten through three nights before with no sleep, right? So, yeah. In, uh, here in Canada, I, I worked a lot at night while studying when I was a student. So, I did run for many, many years with, with little to no sleep or like napping here and there just to be able to survive here. When I was a student, I had to work at night. So that I felt, I felt like that life ex life experience was very beneficial for backyard. And uh, when I did the BC backyard and then satellite championship, I I never had issues with sleeping. Even when we were going into the third night, I did not sleep much. I definitely slept way more digs now, uh, but I never had issues with sleeping. I mean, obviously you're falling asleep a bit, you're a bit foggy, but I would never stop because of that you know yeah. i i never had issues so three nights were pretty easy at bigs and going into the fourth night that's when it got a little bit um different because i guess i've never gone into the fourth night and i guess that's where it's it's starting getting uh, a bit harder um and yeah i was i was having some issues with like even memory i would i, I wouldn't have any hallucinations which mm -hmm. is interesting. I, I never see any hallucinations, but I would have some little gaps in memory where I would like close my eyes and then I open my eyes and I already covered this one kilometer or I already made this turn and I don't remember taking this turn. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I would like, I would ask Marina, was like, <laughs> where are we running? So <laughs> I forgot where we were going. <laughs> oh, so out of it. Yeah, so Marina was like, okay, you just you know, get in this corral, you just follow these people. Just I'm like, what if these people are out of it too? And how? <laughs> what if they try and follow me while I'm following them? <laughs> yeah, so I was a little bit of out, out of it. But then the sun came out and got a bit better on day five. But still, you know, that's where I, I feel like um, maybe I should make a little, uh, a bit different adjustments to my sleeping schedule. Maybe I would have to get like a couple hours where I would utilize, say, Sam's um, strategy where I would run faster, like 40 minutes, 42 minute loops, which would be possible on that course mm. where I would get in at least 15 or 20 minute sleep, at least for like two or three hours in a row. Yeah. And I feel like that would make a difference uh, for the fifth night. I believe that we can get through the fifth night for sure. I think 120 hours is doable. Wow. Very much doable. We'll get there. We'll get there in two, in two years and maybe even faster. You know? Yeah. Maybe we'll see it next year. You never know. Like those results are just skyrocketing. Yeah. Maybe on, on a bit easier course, we'll see it even next year. But I'm pretty sure bigs is possible, 120 at least for the bigs. And you know what? Sun is out on day six, so why not keep going, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, and, and actually watching you run um you look really like uh, absolute natural it's beautiful watching you run um, <laughs> even deep into the race you looked like like you were like you had no problems at all it looked so smooth so <laughs> thanks brother fake it until you make it right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so 
like were your legs hurting at all or what stage of the race did things start feeling hard like physically hard i mean you start feeling it probably 10 hours into the race right yeah. like i mean even well, 12 hours or so 50 miles 50 miles is a long way to go so eventually you start feeling it but i guess this format you learn to accept embrace pain and move past it eventually because things popping up non-stop and eventually everything is hurting but you make pain your friend you 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 just accept it and and you forget about it um so with my foot though on day five i feel like partially just because of my bad shoe choice earlier into the race and and joel saved my race but my foot was already pretty bad pretty messed up so i should have worn bigger shoe a bit earlier into the race and again this is where experience comes into play just my third backyard so i didn't know that my foot would get that big right <laughs> so i had no idea like i heard yeah. that feet are getting big but not that big you know <laughs> so now next time i do do backyard maybe i'll be smarter and use this experience and wear bigger shoes a bit later so on the fifth day on the day course so my left foot felt really bad um like i still remember it's just every step is pain and i felt like it was broken or something mm. so when we got on the first night loop on the asphalt that's where things are getting i got really worse and i like i ran first kilometer and i couldn't feel my foot like i thought okay i think i broke my foot or something so that's when i stopped and i took off the shoe i remember i still remember the drone flying over my head <laughs> and i sat and I, I i just touched my foot and i couldn't feel it that's where i kind of I, I i got a little bit scared because i'm like okay um i have another season coming up and i want to enjoy this sport i want to i want to keep running and enjoying ultra running and i think this is where i have to draw the line if i want to be in this sport for the long haul i don't want to inflict the permanent damage on my foot i knew that that pain wasn't the one i can suck it up you know it's it wasn't one of those where i can just forget about it i've been ignoring it for hours and hours already and i was like okay that foot coupled with my uh sleep deprivation uh, i think i was like and this is how hour 108 i'm like oh my gosh we've gone so far yeah and like i think i was like i think we can draw the line here and that's where i made the decision to turn around yeah. and um, do the walk of shame <laughs> yeah. yeah i was gonna ask you about that um i was because yeah i noticed you sat down and it looked like you were taking off your shoe and i thought maybe you got a rock in your shoe or something like that and you were do taking out a rock or something but that's but you're actually feeling your foot because it was feeling so yeah i was like touching i couldn't feel it anywhere i'm like oh my gosh this is not good the funny thing you're saying that my dad was watching uh the live streams he thought i got a heart attack and i oh. fell oh my god <laughs> and he said like he was he started crying watching the video because he thought i just collapsed on the oh. asphalt and and the drone is just sitting there just watching me die yeah <laughs> oh that was so funny and, and not funny at the same time no yeah for sure i just i was like i tried to touch my foot, try to see like what's happened I'm like 
this is yeah this is true and i started thinking about future races i'm like i want to do those races i think we did already pretty amazing i think uh we have to appreciate that and we have to we will celebrate that and i i yeah decided to make that that uh yeah made a decision and um walked back and um i don't know it you know it, it felt good to make that decision to be honest i i do not regret it now that i slept on it and processed it I, and i i feel my foot is getting better and i i know that i'm going to be racing again and uh yeah and you know i, I think it was a right move it was mm. a hard move maybe not popular move not everyone wanted me to stop <laughs> but i think i had to stop at that point so that i could come back and go further yeah <laughs> was um is was the foot broken I thought it was broken. It's not broken, thankfully. No, it, yeah. it was just hurting and I didn't have to scan it. It's getting better. I still feel a little bit there, a little niggle there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, I also, when you were walking back um, after you decided to go back, a car pulled over and stopped. And was that just someone making like, just a passerby stopping saying are you okay or you know what i think it was last neighbor or something and they were just they, they stopped by and i was like yeah good job congrats they thought i was either running back making my way back but i was so out of it and, and i was so tired and that i didn't want to explain it i was like <laughs> yeah thank you Anna. yeah thank you even though i'm a quitter here but thank you right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um let's see so i was going to ask you about your shoes how many pairs of shoes did you take with you and did you bring different shoes for the day course and the night course yeah so i brought four shoes four pairs of shoes which was not enough i should have brought way more um at least eight i guess double yeah. and then bigger sizes too uh i did have a trail shoe for the um <clears throat> Day course with a, like a rock plate to protect like my toes because there's a lot of rocks some roots so we always end up hitting something you know i didn't want to lose my toenails uh very soon at least <laughs> and uh yeah for the night course i have more cushioned shoes so that i somehow at least you know uh cushion that road section which is horrible 13 hours of hell there yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and it's i feel like it's kind of good to change shoes even though if you don't have to but it's kind of nice to feel different offset you know different feeling in the shoe so that your your toes you know get not getting used to the same layout or to the same type of impact yeah. um but eventually I had five pairs of shoes, thanks to Joel, who, <laughs> who donated his uh, huge size 14 shoes to me. And, uh, yeah, but next time I'll definitely bring way more shoes and way bigger shoes for later stages because you can't really avoid uh, swelling. You know, no matter what you do, your feet swell and my feet swell a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm okay with swelling. I'm okay with stepping on swollen foot, but you have to rim it for the business again that's where experience comes into play right like this is my just third year of racing so some things i'm still learning i'm still the student of the game you know yeah. I, i'm still figuring out what works for for me or what doesn't and uh this is great you know so yeah. now i know it and next time i'll be smarter 
yeah, yeah. Um, you did mention that, like, um, before the race, you weren't sure if or you didn't weren't expecting the race to go into the hundreds. Around what stage of the race did you realise we're going to go into the hundreds? I knew that after day three, so or night three. So when after 72 hours, we had 23 people. 23 people completed 72 hours. Yeah, yeah. This is like mind-boggling. Like, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> it's just insane. Like, yeah. think about it. Uh, like, when we did 48 hours, uh, I think 47 people completed 48 hours. 48 hours would give you a win at any given Canadian backyard. Mm. You take any Canadian backyard, you're going to win it with 48 hours. And we had 47 people who completed it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. We ran for 48 hours. There's still 47 people. Like, these people are, are insane. And when we did three uh, three days, three nights, and there were 23 people, I'm like, this is definitely going to go into hundreds. Like, there's no way. Yeah. And, and when we still had, like, when we crossed 100, I think six people did 100. Six people. Six. I know I was very out of it by them, but I, I, I could understand that, that so many people got in, into hundreds and so many people did nineties and it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I heard that stats, I think Marina told me that she said like 23 people did 72 hours. I was like, okay, well, this is definitely going to go far. There's yeah. no way these people are going to stop, you know, anywhere in the eighties or nineties. <laughs> This is incredible, you know. I, I had no idea that that's how strong everyone is, you know. And and it's amazing that everyone was so strong and, and prepared for this race. I guess that's what drove uh, yeah. our results up, you know. And yeah, the um, I heard a few people mention that you had a good game face, and it's true because your expression didn't really change much during rigs that I saw on the live stream anyway. Um, is that just the way you are or did you sometimes find yourself making an effort to, like, um, appear cool, calm and collected? No, that's that's really the way I am, Pato, honestly. Yeah. I, I love to, to keep really relaxed face. And I know it works both ways. Even if you, if you kind of make yourself a little bit smile or... Or, 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 you know, or kind of try to, to, to look better and it works the opposite way. So you actually start feeling better yeah. uh, when, when you do that. And I'm always, I'm always, I know Howie Stern said that I have a, a resting smile face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I never thought of it, but I look at all his pictures and I will have some like little grim, but I guess that's, yeah, no, that's the way I am. And in all honesty, I did feel great um, pretty much entire race until the very last stages when I was a little bit out of it, just where sleep deprivation was catching up with me. But, uh, you know, I, I felt great you know, go, going into the fourth day when we went back on the trail, sun came out and I was just running those trails being my element. And the fact in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, I did 72 hours. And we're back on the trails and then the sun is out. 
and I was like, and I feel so good. Like, yeah. This is amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going into the fourth day. Like, yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, most of the time I felt good, and 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 that's I guess why I I look good. And even even the last set, couple of times when I would finish, you're like, Eeyore, you look too fresh. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I was saying that. I saying that. <laughs> um, so probably all the runners that I heard talk about the trail say it was hard and that they fell at least once. Um, did you fall in the trail? Yeah, yeah, I did uh, fall. I fell uh, a couple times probably, but nothing crazy. Uh, I guess I fell on the fourth day. And I was kind of, as I was falling, I grabbed a tree and it scratched up my forearm here. It kind of looks good now, but it looked pretty bad um, right after the race. Yeah, It was the only, I guess, major fall, but I, I wasn't bleeding or anything. I, nothing serious. I mean, I, I love trails. I, love, I run on trails all the time. I run technical trails. So I'm very cautious when it comes to footing. I always watch my steps. So I guess that helped uh but yeah i've seen people bail pretty hard on that trail and it's very easy you know especially after skipping a couple nights of sleep you kind of get comfortable with foot with with steps and uh you forget to lift your foot a bit here higher and there and a little rock there and a little root there and doesn't take much time and before you know it you're down there yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so with the um, doing so well, helping break the record, 107 hours, the assistive figs, have you been getting um, any media attention over there? Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I got, uh, I mean, uh, I got attention from you. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we're doing the, the podcast, we're like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to be on the podcast with Pata. But yeah, for sure, our local media here in Canada reached out and I was on the radio. And uh, another media wants to do some little show or whatever, just like a story uh, about me. And uh, yeah, and our online magazines and all these. Uh, uh, resources sports resources they also reached out for a comment so um yeah a little bit of attention here and there and uh, um yeah and we have a po another podcast the canadian podcast with marina that we're going to be on um tomorrow yeah, cool. um, yeah. so uh yeah and it, it was pretty incredible after so my phone had so many notifications that it died Right. Uh, and I didn't use my phone at all. I, I, I forced myself, like I, when I'm racing, I'm trying to stay away. I don't want to look at my phone, you know. I want to be focused on, on the loop. Uh, so then when I charged it, I went in. I was like, oh, my gosh, so many messages. And from people from all over the world, from mostly from Canada, you know, Canadians, they were, they were glued to, to the screens. And many teachers sent me videos of kids from classrooms because they had live stream in, in, in schools uh, for days. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God, this is just so incredible. And all the love and support that Marina and I get, uh, I got the, uh, yeah, it was just so overwhelming. You know, it uh, made me cry almost, you know, when I, when I saw that and, uh, uh, all the love and support, we, we appreciate it so much. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it was an incredible experience and being a part of it yeah. is definitely something special. Yeah. Um, again, in that interview that you did before the race, um, <clears throat> you mentioned how you were curious to see how far you could go and to see how your body and mind would respond um, when you go really deep in a backyard ultra. So now you've run 107 yards and been the assisted bigs um, and part of the world record performance and all that type of thing. Did that satisfy your curiosity or are you still curious? Um, I'm still curious. Really? I, I think um, I, like I had to stop because of some, I guess, uh, injury and, and a little bit of sleep deprivation. But I think I think we can go further. Uh, like I know that I had to stop at that point, but that was the stop with an idea that I come back with more experience, with more knowledge, and we're gonna push further. I'm pretty sure we as human species can go at least five days and five nights. I'm convinced. I know we're gonna see it either. We don't see it next year. We'll definitely see it in 2025, um, where we're gonna go through the fifth night. I think it's doable, and I'm curious to see who's going to be the the first one to break that barrier. But uh, we will see it happen for sure. Now I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm assuming you'll be running for Team Canada at the Sat Chance next year. Uh, you know what, Pada? I don't know. Um, I I I don't know. We we will see. I, I think. It, it, it depends on a bit of logistics and then my schedule yeah. for the next year. I think um, the the satellite championship is going to be somewhere east, right. so we'll have to fly out there. So it, it's not certain, not hundred percent. I I might, um, but but I don't know yet. So I, I I can't promise it to everyone and then not follow through because. That's not who I am, so I can't say for sure. Yeah, no, fair, fair enough. Um, and have you got any races planned that aren't backyard ultras in the next few months or the next 12 months? Yeah, yeah. I actually, so uh, one of those races, I was telling you um, that the prize is the trip to Argentina, to, to Patagonia for the three-day stage race. So that one is happening the beginning of December. So I'm going to fly there. It's probably going to be just an adventure for me to to see the Patagonia and just have fun. I'm not going to really race race per se, but the next uh, competitive race will be a hurt 100 miler uh, in Hawaii. That's a, a famous 100 miler uh, in Hawaii, and uh, I I won the lottery, so I got into it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that race for sure. It's 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 gnarly. It's hard uh and uh, it's something i really love so uh hopefully by then i'll be uh recovered in good shape so i could give it a good go <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so that one's for sure in the schedule uh and uh yeah nothing else so far yeah, yeah. and when's that hawaii race it's uh january 14th okay yep awesome mm-hmm. not too far away yeah it's coming up yeah um and at the end of my podcast, I like to ask um, my guests, what are your three tips for doing well in a backyard ultra? Three tips. Okay. 
I well, first tip: be consistent. Uh, I guess it applies not only to backyard but to ultra running in general. Just keep showing up. Um, get up early or go for a run after work, whatever your schedule is. But keep showing up. Keep training. Um, that consistency adds up week after week, month after month, year after year. And uh, backyard, I find, is something that requires some endurance and experience. So it comes with age a little bit. That's why I find I'm kind of a little bit young for it. And, you know, I feel maybe in future I'll have a little bit more endurance. <laughs> yeah. I won't quit that early. <laughs> but, yeah, stay consistent. Be consistent. Keep showing up. Um, um, that's tip number one. Uh, tip number two, um, believe in yourself. Um, remember that you can do hard things. Uh, it's, it's all mental at the end. Uh, mm. Got to keep remembering that everyone is hurting and backyard. It gets really hard. No matter who you are, no matter how well trained you are, how old, how, how young you are, it gets mental. Believe in yourself. Believe in your training. Yeah. Um, and third, Stay focused on one loop. Uh, don't have any hefty numbers in your head. Don't have PRs in your head. Don't don't have world records in your head. Show up, loop number one, done. Loop number two, done. One loop at a time. Stay focused on that loop. And before you know it, you're gonna hit your PR. You're gonna hit your national record. You're gonna hit the world record. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um thanks so much for coming on um i was so um impressed with how well you did in that race it was absolutely amazing to watch thanks Bada. thank you so much for having me it's an honor to be on your podcast i was oh, like, no. I, I, was like <sighs> I remember you you started following me on instagram before bigs I'm like oh god is following me on on instagram I'm like oh, really better do good if i want to be on his podcast and <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, there you go and uh yeah it's it's pretty cool to to be on your podcast and among those big names you know so i'm a huge fan and yeah thank you so much oh no worries yeah look i mean i was thrilled when i found out when you told me you you're a listener of the podcast i couldn't believe it <laughs> Oh yeah, like uh, ever since Andy was like he was the one who kind of advertises it for us here because I, I honestly I, I haven't heard of it before. I didn't know there is a such a niche podcast where you were focusing on uh, on backyard only, and and of course it has to be an Aussie because Aussies uh, <laughs> love their backyard. So yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when I, I listen to his podcast, I'm like, oh my god, Pat is asking actually good questions. Like, let, yeah. let me look up. I'm like, oh, you had Laz on your podcast. So I'm like, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I listened to all the podcasts before and then every new release I would listen and I would pick up some, you know, especially when I listened to Phil Gore's uh, episode I, I also picked some notes and you know how especially on sleeping strategies and you know it's always interesting to 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 hear what uh what the behemoths of the sport uh are doing you know it doesn't necessarily mean that it might work for me but it's interesting to know 
you know, because things that work for Phil Gore uh, might not work for me and vice versa works for me, will never work for him. Uh, but it's really cool to to get a little bit of knowledge and experience uh, from uh, uh, from the experts of this sport. And, and you were able to to give us, you know, that knowledge through your podcast. And I really appreciate it, Father. Oh, thanks. Um, well, you're definitely a behemoth of the sport now. Oh. <laughs> I don't know about that. I still, I like to be, to keep it simple and I don't think of it. Uh, I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I, I did the run the assist and like oh, so many hours. That's crazy. But like, you know what, let's, let's stay focused. Let's, let's learn from this experience and let's apply it to, to, to my future races. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ehor, for coming on. It's been really interesting and really fun to talk. Um, all the best in your races coming up. That Hawaii 100 one sounds really cool, so I'll be following along and we'll stay thanks, in touch. Brother. Yeah, hopefully we meet one day as well. Have you ever been to Australia before? Or I have not, and, and I was telling actually Tim that I would love to come down uh, to Australia and do one of uh, the races there. Not necessarily backyard, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. some uh, trail ultra 100-miler or, or even, yeah, I know you have a really cool 200-miler in Australia, too. Yeah. Uh, so um, it, it would be really nice to, to go down there and, uh, yeah, meet you in person for sure. And, uh, you know, maybe even just go for a run and uh, explore your neighborhood and, um you know, we, we don't have to race. It's, it's, yeah. it's not always about racing, right? It's, uh, it's all about experiences and great moments and encounters. So Yeah, 100%. Well, look, um, thanks again, Hiyoho. Um, Have a great day and um, we'll stay in touch for sure. Thanks again for coming on. Yes, thank you, Pato. No worries. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.